Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Onwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Unwemina will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. Welcome to the Heme Consults Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Unwemina. I'm a hematologist. And also this morning, I am sleepy. (laughs) No, I'm actually not sleepy, but I am recording this early in the morning. And part of why I'm recording this early in the morning today is because I had a really powerful conversation yesterday or a really deep conversation, I think, with a young woman of color and hematology that I love so much. And it really did prompt me this morning to wake up and just think about an episode that I needed to record especially for her. So I believe that if I think about the title of this episode, I would call it, Be Careful What You Believe. Yeah, so this episode, I'm making it up as I'm going along because really there's just a lot inside me as I think about our conversation yesterday. But the title of this episode is Be Careful What You Believe. And the theme of it is John chapter 9. And before I start this episode, I do want to just actually speak encouragement to this particular woman of color in hematology, and you know yourself. And I want to say that you are so precious and beautiful and lovely and kind and generous and thoughtful. There's just so many things that I could use to describe you. And, and... (sighs) (laughs) it's an interesting thing that sometimes when we are, when we're celebrated, when people say great words about us, great things about us, sometimes we feel like, no, they're not talking about me because I'm unworthy. And, and that's why the title of this episode is be careful what you believe. Um, so woman of color in hematology, you're really amazing. You're awesome. You're incredible. I say all these things not because I'm making it up, but because it's true. Um, When we think just about, in general, physicians as a whole, people who in their teenage years made up their minds that they were going to go to medical school and they denied themselves and did the work that was needed and, and did everything possible to get into medical school, not just get into med school, but actually also graduate and find a residency program, which you know is increasingly hard to do. And then not just find a residency program, but finish residency, excel in residency, be chief resident (laughs) for this particular woman of color in hematology, and then get into fellowship. Like you are not an ordinary person. Like anybody around you looks at you and says, how did you do that? How are you so focused? How are you so intentional? How are you so smart? How did you pass all those exams? How did you do that? Like You are an incredible person. So when I say a woman of color in hematology, you're pretty amazing. I'm not making it up. It's a reality. It's a fact. It's like, I don't even have to know you 
to recognize that you've made sacrifices, you've denied yourself, you have worked hard, you've burned the midnight candle, you've done so many things to be where you are. <laughs> so why do you struggle with believing that you are an incredible person? Why do you struggle? And I'm just going to pause. Why is it hard for you to believe that? Why is it hard for you to believe that? And I say this not as a judgment against you, oh, woman of color in hematology, but I say that as a judgment of the environment in which we live. And you live in an environment where you're incredible, but you are not celebrated as incredible. But instead, people tell you how much deficit you have. You have to pay attention to that. Because what happens is when you get enough of this messaging, is that there's a sense that, well, if I'm hearing it over and over again, then it has to be true. If I'm hearing about it over and over again, then it must be real. I must be the problem in this environment. Hmm. And I just want to just say and, and, and be very careful to tell you that the environment really matters with regards to how you thrive. I'm going to tell you two stories. And these do not necessarily relate to me, the first two stories, and then I'll tell a story about myself in keeping with my theme. But the first story is the story of plants. Now, there are many plants throughout the world, and I want to speak specifically about the cactus. The cactus is one plant that grows in a desert land. Most plants don't thrive in the desert because the desert goes for very prolonged periods of time without water. So that if you are looking at a regular, let's say it's a hibiscus flower, the desert is not the right place for the hibiscus flower. You look first of all at the environment and then you make it, you understand that based on the environment, there are certain plants that flower, that thrive in the environment. And so when you go to a desert and you ask a hibiscus flower to flower, to be beautiful, <laughs> and after months and months of no water, the hibiscus flower is droopy and the leaves are wilted and the petals are falling off. Actually, to be honest, after months of time in the wilderness, the hibiscus flower just can't grow. It just doesn't grow. And then you look at the hibiscus flower and you ask a panel of judges and you say, can we judge this hibiscus? And people say, hmm, the hibiscus sucks. Mm-hmm, oh, look at the hibiscus. Droopy, look at the hibiscus. Look at the leaves and they judge the hibiscus flower. And then at the same time, they look at the cactus and they're like, well, look at the cactus, clearly green and uh, looks succulent, looks like they're thriving. And so you, hibiscus flower, look at yourself and then you say, wow, they're correct. I do suck. Oh my goodness, look at how I look. I'm so horrible. And then you talk about yourself in those same terms. And what you haven't recognized is that the environment is not an environment that helps you thrive. 
And that's why you do need to be careful what you believe. That's story number one. Story number two is the story of racism. And I say that because it's important to recognize the environment that you're in. When a hibiscus flower recognizes that they're in an environment that's desert land, then what they need to do, what the hibiscus flower needs to do, and I'm sorry, I just been thinking this morning about what flower am I gonna use as an example? The hibiscus comes to mind. Uh, there are clearly other flowers that don't thrive in the wilderness, but just, just bear with me. This is the, the example that I can think of this morning. What the hibiscus flower in, in thinking about, how do I, do, what do I do? You know, the environment would say, hibiscus, can you change yourself? Can you like thrive more? Like, okay, go study more. Go, 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 go. Like, you know, go do more. <laughs> go be more. And the hibiscus flower is like, okay, well, how can I be more? How can I do more? How can I try to, how can I try so hard to flower? But the challenge is the environment. <laughs> okay, so the second story I want to tell is the story of racism. And to be honest, I don't even have to tell the story of racism. The story of racism is a story that tells itself. But what I want to tell you about racism is that racism is not a unique story in the sense that I, I was born in Nigeria and I grew up in a country of black people. <laughs> and although if you go and do the math, there are probably, you know, other races in Nigeria. I, I, I will grant you that fact. But I didn't grow up around any other races when I lived in Nigeria. I, I grew up only around black people. And yet there was still discrimination. And so... I think what I want, the point I want to make right now is a point about racism, but it's also a point not about racism, is to say that whenever there are two groups of people that are different in any way, and one group says, I am the superior group, and this is the inferior group, and because this group that says, I am the superior group, and you are the inferior group, is dominant. The voice is dominant in the culture. Maybe the numbers are dominant in the culture. You have to pay attention to the kind of environment that's created there. Because any group of people that says, I am superior, in order to perpetuate that belief, the environment has to continue to support and provide evidence to show that the group that is, in, is considered inferior is inferior. And so there will always be a hunt for evidence. There will always be a hunt for evidence that the second group is not up to par. And so you have to pay attention to your environment. Whenever you get messages of you're not good enough, you're inferior, you haven't, you haven't acquired enough knowledge, you maybe shouldn't be a physician, maybe you don't have what it takes to be a hematologist, you do need to ask yourself, what environment am I in? And what is the dominant message of the culture? Very important. Because if you are in an environment, and maybe you're in an environment where there is no racism, good for you. But if you are in an environment where there is racism, you need to pay attention to that as you evaluate yourself. Because every message you receive that says you are not good enough needs to be interpreted in the light of the, that culture that says, well, there are groups of people and some people may not be up to par. Because even though you get the message from so many people where it's like, well, this must be objective. There's so many people telling me I'm not good enough. Pay attention to it. Because the dominant message in the culture is that there are groups of people who are good enough versus people who are not. Then you interpret the messages you receive in light of that. Okay, that's the second story I want to tell. It's not really a story as much as just a 
be very clear about where you live. If you're a flower, be very clear if you live in the desert that it's not the right environment for you. And if you are in a culture of racism, be very clear that it's not the right environment for you. And so then the question is, well, so what do I do? I'm a hibiscus flower, I live in the desert. This is my environment. Are you asking me to leave the environment? And if I leave the environment, where do I go? All I see around me is miles and miles of desert. And if you're in a culture where there's racism, then you ask yourself, well, here I am, where do I go? <laughs> and that's a really great question. And I wanna tell you, and this is where I think I'm coming to a story I'm gonna tell of myself. I'm not sure what that story is yet, but I'm getting there is that you have to say, if the environment is key to how I show up in this world or to how I'm perceived in this world, then how do I guarantee that I'm in a great environment that helps me? And the answer to that question, I think, is that you've got to create the environment that helps you thrive. I'm going to say that one more time. You've got to create the environment that helps you thrive. What does that look like? Number one is to recognize who you are. Who are you? Are you a cactus or are you a hibiscus flower? In this wilderness, who are you? Because don't be confused. You may be surrounded by cacti that are flourishing in this environment. But you've got to ask yourself, who am I? And what do I need to thrive? And this may be the hardest work you will ever do, but the most important. Because the moment you recognize who you are and what you need to thrive, you will get out of environments that don't allow you to thrive. And if for whatever reason you find yourself in an environment that doesn't allow you to thrive, then you give yourself grace. And when people come and tell you, hey, you're not good enough, you recognize that as long as you're in an environment that doesn't allow you to thrive, then those messages make sense. They don't say anything about who you are. They say something about the environment in which you live. This is really, really important. So woman of color in hematology, what do you do when you find out that you're a hibiscus flower living in the wilderness? Number one is you celebrate yourself. And you say, wow, look at how different I am from the flowers around me, from the cacti that are blossoming all around me. Look at how different I am. And then you celebrate how different you are. Because what's happening, what I'm seeing happening to you, a woman of color in hematology, and what happened to me, and I am coming to the story about myself in just a minute, is that the moment you, you, when you don't, when you think you are the problem, not your environment, then you're asking yourself, well, how can I work harder to be more cactus-like? They, they're telling me the standard is cactus. How can I work hard to be green and luscious in this desert environment? That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to be the same as others. But the moment you recognize who you are through the work you do by, by really studying and understanding who you are and what you need, then you, you recognize, you're like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a cactus. I'm a hibiscus flower. This, this is not my environment thriving. And then you can celebrate your difference. You really, really celebrate your difference. And the moment you recognize the environment, 
that, okay, this environment is an environment that may want to try to prove to me that I am not up to par with what is the dominant culture or the dominant culture of what physicians should look like. Then it helps you say, oh, oh, I get it, I get it. Every time a message comes to me that says, oh, you're not good enough, what I'm really receiving is a reflection of the environment. It's a reflection, it's a, re it's a reflection. And so that's really important. Okay, I'm gonna tell my story now. So when I started my faculty career, I started in a unit and <laughs> as part of my work, I was seeing patients five days a week. And in this unit, my job was gatekeeper, gatekeeper of a resource. I won't say any details though. It's not necessarily um, an, an anonymous place. I mean, people know me, who know me, know where I, what I did when I first started my faculty career. But I really, my job was gatekeeper of the resource. And so the very, very first consult I had while working in this unit was to say, tell to say to someone, no, you cannot have this resource because it doesn't make sense. And that was the beginning of my experience in this place. And I was there for eight years. And every time I signed onto the pager to become the guardian of this resource, it really tore me apart. I spent the day fighting people. <laughs> I spent the day fighting for my nurses not to do procedures. I spent the day challenging people's requests. I spent the day challenging the way people were interacting with group, my group. I spent the day worried about, okay, the day ends at five and you're calling me at 4.30 and you're saying this is an emergency that you were sitting on since 10 a.m. Those were the kinds of conversations I was having. And at the end of the day, I felt as if I had been passed through a shredder because my personality, the kind of person I am is calm and peaceful. And to be someone who stands as the gatekeeper to a resource telling people, no, you can't, you shouldn't have done that. Why did you call me at this point? And then also on the other hand, to have a group of people who are looking to me and saying, you're not fighting for us. You didn't do enough. Why did you let this case through? Why are you making us work at 445 when we get off at five? That was so hard for me. It was so hard for me. I am the person who lets things be. If you tell me that you refuse for me to enter a room, I'm like, what's in that room anyway? Is there gold, is there silver? Okay, great, I'll go to the next room. That's the kind of person I am. I avoid stress. Not because I don't push for what I want, but I just recognize that my energy is better served increasing myself, empowering myself, growing. I didn't know that about myself when I first started. In a sense, I had a sense of it because at the end of the day, I would be so drained. I'd be so washed out. I'd be so stressed. And so there, there was a sense in my mind that this was not necessarily the right environment for me. And, and to be honest, I worked hard to narrow, narrow my time in that space. So I actually started out seeing patients in this space five days a week. And... <laughs> And I worked hard and hard to protect my time, to do the things that were needed to protect my time so that I could shrink my time in the space. And I finally eventually got to a point in my career where I mostly was interacting in the space one day a week. And so the, the, the shredding of my soul that happened now kind of was reduced to one day a week, but it was still happening. 
And as I started to do work of coaching and working with my executive coach to get in touch with who I am and what are the things that help me thrive and all of that, it really helps me to see that I'm a person of calm and peace and I, I think people should get what they want. They should fight for it and they should get, get it. And they should do it without me. <laughs> I, I, you know, do it. I don't want to get in your way. Do what you need to do. And there are people who are great at being guardians of the resource, but that's not my job. My job is the one who distributes resources to everybody. That's that's who I am. So if you have a resource, you're like, we only want three people to have access to it. To so come and be the director. That's not going to be me because I will look at you and say, why are why why is it that there are only three people with access to this resource? And then you're going to tell me, oh, the resource is scarce and there's not enough for everybody. And I'm going to say, well, what can we do to magnify and expand the resource so that more people can get access to it? That's the kind of person I am. And so, but when you say there's a resource, there's not enough, there's not enough, and come and be the guardian, that is not me. I'm not going to do that job. But then I didn't recognize that. Um, and in this world, they asked me to direct this resource, you know, and, and so this is something where I, I went from like escaping the five days of this jarring shredding of my soul experience to narrowing it down to one day. And then all of a sudden they were, they were like, well, why don't you come and be the leader of this resource? And I did that. And it really, it, it just wasn't me. It shredded my soul. It wasn't the place for me. And so when finally I did the work and I left this space and, and it was the right thing for me to do. Circumstances just, um, and it led to the fact that I, led the, I left the space. Oh my goodness, I started to thrive. I entered into spaces where I don't argue with people over whether resources are available or not. I just kind of just counsel people now in the role that I'm in. I'm like, here are the issues. Good luck. And you know what? I thrive in that environment. But it was really important for me, and it took me a long time over the course of being in this environment to recognize it. This shreds my spirit. It just makes me so awful. I hate the way I feel at the end of it. But it took me eight years, eight years to recognize and to leave the environment, to recognize that I couldn't even take eight hours of it. Yeah, I had started doing like 40 plus hours of it a, day, a week. And then I shredded it, I, I decreased it to eight hours only. But you know what? <laughs> I didn't need one hour of it in my life. And removing that helped me thrive. Okay, so that's my story. And if you know me, you actually know the details of what I'm talking about. And if you don't know me, you know, the, the, general, the generality of it is sufficient. To say that there's a space that you occupy that doesn't allow you to be your best, that is not the space for you. And when people tell you, oh, you're not your best, but you know that who you are is someone who shines. And you've been shining for years of your life. And, and this is a question I have to stop and just, and just talk to you, woman of color in hematology. How is it that we shined in undergrad? We shined in med school. We shined as residents. And then we get to, or we shine as fellows. And then we get to faculty careers, or wherever it is you're stuck right now. And people are telling you, oh, you suck. How did that happen? Like, what changed about you? How did you go from being someone who's a superstar, a stellar person, to being someone who's not a superstar? How does that happen? And the reality is that it doesn't happen. You are the same superstar, the same shining person that you've been all along. And when you enter into an environment where, where people are telling you you're not shining, you should pay attention to that because they're telling you something. 
what they're not, what they're, what they're interpreting to you is that they're like, well, maybe you suck and you should go work harder on being a more beautiful hibiscus flower in the midst of where, where cactuses really thrive. That's how they're interpreting it because the cacti all around you are like, we, keep, we don't get what's wrong with you. We're all thriving here. Therefore, if you're not thriving, it must be because you, you need to go work harder on being like a, a more beautiful plant. They're telling you something. How they are interpreting it, they, have, they can only interpret it in light of their cactus mentality. But, but they are telling you something. They're saying you're not thriving here. And so your job is not to work harder to be the cactus when you're not a cactus. Your job is to say, what do I need? What elements do I need to bring me into the desert to allow me to thrive? So there are three things I want to tell you. Number one, you've got to either create or go find the oasis. In every desert, there is a place where there is water. It's called an oasis and, or an oasis. I don't know. Oasis, oasis, oasis. Let's say oasis. And there, there is water. Mm. And I can imagine it now. There are palm trees there. And it is just a beautiful place. That's the place for you, hibiscus flower, woman of color in hematology. And it does exist in your desert. So when I say create the oasis, mm, maybe harder to do, possible but harder to do. But what you should do is find the oasis. And so when people gather around you and they say, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, look at how you suck, look at how you need to go do better, your response is not, oh, why don't I work harder at being a cactus? Your response is, okay, I've not been living in the oasis. I need to go find the oasis, and that's where I need to thrive. And I want to challenge you, a woman of color in hematology, where is your oasis? Where is the place where you're going to get all the nurture that you need? Where is the place where you're going to be so watered and you're never going to be thirsty again and you're going to be able to shine and thrive? Where is that place? Because it's the same wilderness. It's the same wilderness. You didn't, you didn't leave the desert. You're still there. But you found the oasis. And when they come back three months from now, you having lived in the oasis, the desert judges, they're going to say, look at you. You are thriving. Whoa, look at your leaves. They're blossoming. You are super awesome. We knew it. We knew you had to do all this work. And the reality is you just moved yourself. That's all you did. You didn't work harder at being a cactus. You didn't work harder at trying to be more of what you're not. What you did is you took yourself to the place that you needed. You took your yourself to a place where you got water. That was all you did. And so women of color in hematology, <laughs> you gotta find your oasis. That may be the only call to action, the only lesson and call to action that I have for this bonus episode is what is your oasis? Number one, you gotta figure out who you are. What kind of flower are you and what do you need to thrive? That's the work you need to do. And if you're like, I don't know, well, you got, you got to go find out. It is not okay anymore for you to say, I don't know. And if you look to your environment to tell you who you are, you're going to be disappointed. Because number one, you live in a 
desert land. And the only group of people who can help give you advice are cactuses or cacti. And if you as the hibiscus flower are asking the cacti to tell you who you are, you're going to be disappointed in what they tell you. And it's not going to be true. But you're going to go from cactus to cactus to cactus saying, who am I, who am I, who am I? And the cacti are all going to tell you the same thing. And over time, you're going to start to believe that what they tell you about you is true. And it is not true. And the same thing about your environment. Pay attention to the environment you live in. You know, the environment you live in is the environment you live in. We, uh, to my mind, we don't argue the environment and we don't invest energy trying to change the environment. Imagine the kind of energy it takes for hibiscus flower to leave the work of finding an oasis and to go instead to look for how the hibiscus flower can change the desert into forest. Like, what are you trying to do? <laughs> that is an impossible task. And you can do it all your life and you will never succeed. That is not your job, hibiscus flower. You're one hibiscus flower in the midst of a large desert. Your job is not to figure out how to change the desert. Your job is to find the space that already exists that supports you thriving. Go do that. <laughs> Go do that. And it sounds very simple. It is simple, but it's very hard because it, it requires you to know who you are. And it requires you to, to go find the space in which you thrive. It exists. When you get there, you will know. The reason, the way you will know is that your, your spirit will just be like, oh, I'm here. That's the place where you thrive, woman of color in hematology. That's the space where you thrive. And right now you're confused. You don't know what you're supposed to do. You're not sure what you should be. And you're like, okay, let me look at this cactus flower, super cactus, and see how super cactus is living. And then there's this other super cactus. And let's figure out how super cactus is living. And your job is not to chase the cacti all over the desert. Your job is to go to the place in the desert that allows you to thrive. I feel like I've repeated myself over and over again, women of color in hematology. You know who you are. I am speaking to you directly. I'm telling you that you are beautiful. You're amazing. You're wonderful. And you've believed a lie. You've believed a lie that you're not good enough. You've believed a lie that you need to be more cactus-like. You've believed a lie that you have to work harder to be more And the truth is we all need, we all need to be more actually. We all need to grow. We all need to thrive, but not, not on the terms of the cacti. And I love the cacti. I think they're, uh, cacti are great, but you're not a cactus. And the environment you live in is the environment you live in. I want you to be careful what you believe. I want you to be careful what you believe. Don't regurgitate what the cacti are telling you. Go find the hibiscus flowers because that's who you are. You ask them, you ask them, hey, hibiscus flower, what does it mean to be a hibiscus? You ask them and let them tell you. All right. <laughs> Moment of color and hematology. I'm so grateful that you called me and spoke to me yesterday. I am so appreciative. And I want to ask you to do it again, please. <laughs> 
And if you're listening, you're like, is she talking to me? Is she not talking to me? I am talking to you. My call to action this week is that if you are struggling and you're asking yourself, wait a minute, I, I'm not sure that I fit in this environment. I'm not sure I can make it. I want you to reach out to me. Send me a DM. I'm on Facebook at toyosi.onwomena or toyosi.onwomena. Just, just Google me. You'll find me. If you um, send me an email, I will respond to you. And tell me, hey, I listened to your podcast episode. And even though it doesn't seem like you're talking to me because I didn't talk to you last night, it felt like you were talking to me. And I just want to ask you for encouragement. I want you to, to send me a message. I will encourage you. This is my job. I, I encourage people. This is what I do. And when I hear stories of people being told that they need to go do something to get stronger in an environment, I recognize the life of what it is because I was there. <laughs> I did that thing where over and over again, I was like, okay, how can I study more to be better? And I just wasn't recognizing the issues of the environment. So, woman of color in hematology, be careful what you believe. Reach out to me if you need me to help you rethink the way you believe. If you need me to help you challenge the stories of your environment. Because, because here's the thing. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, here's the thing. The environment is not lying to you. You're not thriving. It's a real fact. And so when they bring the evidence, it is clear that you're not thriving. But the recommendation they give you is a recommendation that makes you more cactus-like. But what you need is a recommendation that allows you to thrive as a hibiscus flower. But until you recognize who you are, you don't know what you need. So go do the work. Yes, this is my one call to action. I've, called, I've, I've done many, but this is the real thing. You go do the work of finding out who you are and what you need. And if it takes you months to do it, you go do that work. If it means you've got to pay money to do it, you go do that work. Because until you do it, until you understand you, and until you understand what you need to make you thrive, it will always be hard for you. <laughs> and so as you go on in your week, Women of Color and Hematology, I, I wish you success. As you embark on that journey to discover who you really are, what you really need, and as you recognize the limitations of your environment, and you go and you push, pursue the oasis that helps you be the woman of color and hematology that only you can be. All right, take care. It's a pleasure talking with you. I'll see you next time.